0: God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. We're uh, continuing our uh, study of 1 Peter, and we just had those two verses there that John reads for us. Thanks so much, John. And they're super short. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. And so when I when I when I prep a sermon, I kind of like do a little study of the text. And then I'll read a commentary too. I'll read the text in different translations and kind of get a feel for it. Look at the context around it. And then I'll, I'll see certain things in the text and how they might apply to myself and, and you and the community and everything like that. And I just start brainstorming ideas. And so with a text like Humble Yourself, you know, you kind of like to think about humility. And so the first thing I wrote down was on a sermon idea was how to be humble before God. And I realized that was the most sanctimonious thing I have ever written in my entire life. I mean, can you imagine? This would be the sermon. It would be like this How to be humble before God. I'd be preaching that. I might as well put, you know, how to be humble before God, like me. <laughs> It'd be horrible, wouldn't it? It'd be bad. I'd be talking about it and not doing it. Exact same time, because humility is like that. Humility is shy. The minute you talk about it, it's gone. So I, I really struggled with the message today. I'm like, how do you preach on humility? Is it possible to preach on humility? Because whatever you're doing, you're not doing. I don't know if it's possible. So I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I like preach it, but like in the closet over here, I could do that, right? I was thinking, I thought about that, but that would just be weird. Like, really weird. So I thought, maybe I'll just give like some Bible passages that you can meditate on during the sermon. Just like here, you do the sermon today. You, you do it, I'll just gonna sit over here. <laughs> but that would be weird, too. So, I looked up at other pastors and how they did it. I came across one by, by Tim Keller. So what I'm sharing with you is not me, but Tim Keller. Does that work? <laughs> maybe we're going to give it a shot at the, at the end of the service today you can come up to me and say, you know what, you should have just preached in the closet, we would have been better <laughs> off <on." laughs> and that's okay um, humility is one of the most important virtues of following Jesus and the reason it's one of the most important virtues it, well, two reasons, one it was one of Jesus's. Biggest characteristics. Jesus was known by his humility, and the second thing is is that humility is the doorway to knowing Jesus. There's a certain humility, and just the phrase, "I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior," because if you mean that fully and completely, it's a very humbling thing to say. Because what, in essence, you're saying is, I believe that I am not my Lord, that there's a higher authority than myself in my life, and I am powerless to save myself. I can't do it. Somebody else has to, and I think that person's Jesus. Humility is the doorway to faith. We all practice that together today. Did you catch it? We did an exercise in humility today. We begin every service with praise, and then a confession of sin, and we invite all of you together to do it together. And so, when you look around you, you're looking at other fellow sinners because if they you know, they were praying that with you, maybe they're like fake praying it, but but that's what we do, right? We practice humility because humility is the doorway of faith, and humility is a doorway to Jesus. And Jesus himself says, if you want to receive the kingdom, if you want the kingdom of God in your life with all of its power and blessings and privileges, if you want all of that in your life, here's the key. You receive it like a little child. Not a child. A little child. Receive it like that. Which implies a trusting faith. And, on your part, a lot of humility. The Apostle Paul, when he writes about Jesus, he says, he goes, you know, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather being made in human likeness, taking the very form of a servant, made himself nothing. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. All those things that you are searching for in life, and you're searching for joy, you're searching for peace, you're searching for contentment, You're searching for purpose. All those big things you're searching and yearning for in life, they all come through the doorway of humility. And if you try any other doorway, you're relying on yourself, and you will ultimately fail. You won't get lasting joy. You won't get eternal peace. You won't get uh, forever contentment and purpose. If you enter through any other doorway, it just doesn't work. And the only door that works is humility. C.S. Lewis, he describes Christian humility as not thinking less of yourself. So some of you, when you hear the word humility, you think of self-depreciation. That's not humility. Humility isn't, I'm stupid, I'm worthless. That's not humility. That's, God didn't create you for that. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, says Lewis, but rather thinking of yourself less. That's Christian humility. It's hard. It's really hard. You can catch pride and self-centeredness all around you. Every news headline you read, I believe, nearly every news headline you read, has some element of pride self-centeredness in it. Because they're all some way of saying, this is how you should think about this event. Every single one, every single news commentator, there's pride self-centeredness. This is what you should think. We live in an era where political and business leaders rarely ever take, say I'm sorry, or admit fault or error. We live, I think, the most self-centered time in the history of our world. Selfie anyone? Here we go. Oh, I got to turn it around. All right, good. That's where we live. Humility is hard, and it's so hard to see pride and self-centeredness in ourselves. We catch it in others really easily, but in ourselves, it's tough. As soon as you ask the question, "Am I humble?" You ever catch yourself, like, um, you ever do something really nice for someone? Maybe you're at work, and you cover someone, they get back from vacation, and they say it to you, like, wow, thank you so much for covering me, that was really generous of you. Or you give someone a nice gift, right? And they say, wow, this is so generous of you, thank you so much. And the words you say out of your mouth are, you know, no problem, it was, it was really nothing, it was, I'm happy to do it. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, that was pretty generous of Have you done that before? I do it all the time. Don't tell my wife. I do it all the time. Right? Oh, honey. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Check. Check mark. As soon as you think yourself generous, you're not. As soon as you think yourself humble, you're not. So why is humility? one of the defining characteristics of Jesus. And why do the New Testament authors talk about humility so many times? The gospel breeds humility. The gospel creates humility. It's the humble who can receive Jesus on his terms. It is the prideful who receive Jesus On their own terms. Jesus is my Lord and Savior, except in areas regarding sexuality. And then those areas, then he's my consultant, and I'm Lord. But he can still be my Savior, that I really need, right? Jesus is my Lord, my Savior, except when it comes to my my money, or the way I run my business. And then he's my consultant, uh, and I can decide what to do with my money, because I work really hard for it. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, except in certain areas of my life. It's the humble who receive Jesus on his terms and not our own terms. And grace breeds and creates humility. The more you come to know Jesus, and His grace for you, the more humble you become. It's inevitable, and it's incredible. Your sin is so great. The sins in your thoughts, the words, your actions, the things you do, the, the good things that God puts before you that you fail to do, your sin is so great that Jesus had to die for. Jesus love for you is so great that he was glad to do it. It's humbling, isn't it? It's beautiful, isn't it? Gracious loves like that And that kind of grace and love creates freedom. There are two types of followers of Jesus. Pretty much. There are those who relate to Jesus based on their identity as being moral people, a moral identity. And there are those who relate to Jesus based on their identity as uh, of grace. So listen to two types and see which category you fall in. My guess is you're going to fall in both depending on the day. The situation, but those who have a moral identity in the relationship with Jesus, they they um, they they have this kind of mantra: I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. And those who have a grace-based identity have this mantra: I'm accepted by God through Christ, therefore I obey. And so the two people look exactly the same. They're sitting in the same rows, and they do the same things at church, and they might even do the same things outside of church. They look exactly the same, but the attitudes are completely different. So those who have a relationship with Jesus based on their own moral identity, they they struggle with criticism. So when you're criticized, you get really defensive or really angry because that person's attacking your identity. Um, people who have a moral identity and a relationship with Jesus, they're, they're people pleasers. They'll do anything to make sure someone's not upset with you. Because you want that person to like you because that's part of your moral, that's part of your identity. You're uh, critical of others at the same time though. Like someone does something stupid and you're like, man, that moron. Go back to Iowa. You know, the people <laughs> are not to stop. Uh, you're, you're like, shh, go home. Go back to Iowa. Please. My mom's favorite word was Dippo. You know, we're driving California. There's another Dippo, right? You're like, just critical of others. Particularly in the car. I'm so sorry, Jesus. Please forgive me. <laughs> right. Because that's part of who you are. That's your relationship with Jesus. is based on your moral identity. I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. And so when people are upset with me, or people uh, criticize me, they're attacking my very identity, and I don't like that. Or if someone differs from me, I'm very upset with them. Whether they think differently, or act differently, or a different political persuasion, or they, they do things differently, and you're like, I'm going to get that person. Because they're doing it wrong. Grace identity is different. You have a grace identity, a relationship with Jesus. You get criticized. You're able to grow from it and reject poor criticism. It's not all criticism valid. It's not all good, right? We're able to take some time and go, this is appropriate. I might be able to incorporate this, but this, this is not appropriate because you can take the time to do that because you're not. Reacting to it defensively. People with a grace identity are willing to serve other people. And when they do it, they do it joyfully and willingly and generously and graciously and not under a feeling of compulsion because they're not people pleasers. Because they know Jesus already loves them and is filled with joy for them. All right. People who have a grace identity are respectful of others. They correct, they argue, they debate, they do all that sort of stuff that's important and good, but respectfully. So here's the application part. How do you grow in your humility? I don't know. And if I were to tell you, I'd be doing the very opposite thing I'm supposed to be telling you to do, right? I don't know. I know this. Jesus Christ died and rose for you. Jesus Christ, who lived 2,000 years ago, went to a cross for your sin. And he did it because of his incredible love for you and his amazing grace. And the only way I know about growing in humility is to meditate on that. It's to meditate on God's word and just letting it dwell within you. That you you might know the law and the grace of God that might grow like a seed in your heart, that you might know his amazing love for you, his incredible grace. And then daily, grow in humility. You become less and Jesus becomes more. As John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. When people look at you, daily, gradually, slowly, they start saying less of you or Jesus. I remember some years ago, I was uh, in California. I was preaching a sermon, and I got to tell you, it was the funniest sermon I've ever preached in my entire life. I got done with that sermon. I'm walking out of church like I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm mad man. You were laughing. It was great. I'm like that was the best sermon I ever preached in my entire life. And this one of the elders of the church walks up to me. He says, "Pastor, less Jason, more Jesus." Wayne, you jerk. That was awesome. What are you talking about? And then I look back at it and he was absolutely right. Too much Jason. Not enough Jesus. I've struggled with it ever since. You're like, no, you still struggle with it, Pastor. It's okay. It's okay. I know. I know. You can tell me. Jesus Christ died most of you. that be the song of your heart. May that be the core of your identity. So that when you walk into a room, people see you, and they see Jesus too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, <clears throat> Lord, we ask that you might increase and that we might decrease. Lord, we, we just thank you for everything you've done for us. And Lord, there's times when we'd like to take some credit, a little bit of credit. Lord, may you remind us of, um, of your love, it's free for us, Lord, but it costs you a lot. And Lord, may we grow in humility. Lord, it's it's a dangerous prayer, because you just might answer that. I pray you will, Lord God, so that we might know your joy in our life, so we might know um, the security of your love so we might know the fullness of your power within us and that we might give you praise for it. In your name we pray. Amen.